Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the No Name Music Cast. My name's Tim, and this is Joy. And we're going to start the show with our top tips. Now, this is a new section that we've been doing on the show. And Joy, do you have a top tip for us? I do. And to be fair, it came out of the fact that I was eating Pringles earlier today. Okay. (laughs) So if we're eating Pringles, you know how Pringles are shaped? Are Pringles a thing in Europe, Tim? Yeah. I mean, they weren't a thing growing up. Um, They Mm. were a thing that came later. But you, you had Walker's potato crisps. And then, you know, they'd come in a bag or you'd get the. We used to get these ones as well. I can't remember. I think it was Walker's who made them. They was in a white bag and they were unsalted and they had like a little blue packet of salt in them. And then you would take you could um, tear the little blue thing off, put it in the crisps and then you'd shake it and then you could make them as salty as you wanted. And Walker's is the same brand as Lay's. I found out it's the same company. Yeah, exactly the same. So, I don't. I don't know whether it always was the same company, whether Lay's bought Walkers or Walkers bought Lay's. But yeah, they're certainly Walkers crisps is what I grew up with. Yeah, I just know that in Europe, if you see the Lay's, like you see a Walkers bag, it's identical to a Lay's bag. It just has name changed. Anyway, so point being, it is a potato chip fact. <laughs> so okay. the potato chip fact is so it Pringles are kind of and this might be I don't know how many people are listening from different places. We have people on different continents. Pringles are kind of shaped like a duck bill, like they've got like a bend in them. Mm-hmm. So it turns out that the seasoning is designed. So when you set if you set that little curve where the curve is up and like the it like sits on your tongue perfectly, they put more seasoning on the bottom. So if you set it in your mouth right, you taste it better. So when you're eating Pringles, make sure you've got like, I guess it's shaped like a rainbow. Like so the rainbow, like how you see a rainbow going up like that, you set that on your tongue and supposedly it makes it have more flavor and it tastes better. Oh, there you go. There's my tip. I didn't I didn't know that. Well, I have a tip for you. And this is a very uh, bang up to date tip. So if anyone out there is an essential worker or somebody who has a compromised immune system or somebody who's over the age of 65 and you decide that you wanted to get a covid booster, I recommend you do. Science is great. Get vaccinated. However, do it. If you do expect all those things that happen to you on the second one to happen again on the booster. Tim got his joy goes to get her Sunday. Yeah, I had mine and it wiped me out for two complete days. Wonderful. And the last one knocked me out for a while. So I'm just predicting Monday is going to be a rough day for me. Yeah, it's going it's to be rough, let me tell you. Yay. Well, now that you guys have learned about COVID and Pringles, um, <laughs> um, I feel like, Tim, we're going to have to record a jingle between the two of us, and it's going to have to be a jingle for the tip of the day. Exactly. We're just going to have to do it. <laughs> if, if only if only we knew somebody who knew how to play music stuff. Maybe, maybe a listener could help us out. Maybe we'll have a competition. <laughs> Whoever can send us the best jingle gets on the show. There you go. If you're listening and you can do a jingle for like Tim and Joy's top tips or tip of the day or whatever you want to call it, send it in. And if we like it, we will use it. And Tim and I could possibly do some like maybe we'll add some backing vocals to it or something for you. We could even fancy it up if you want us to. But whoever sends us the best one and given I've lost track of when these episodes come out because me and Tim record them like in the future or in the past and you guys hear them in the future. Wow. It sounds like we're like traveling when I first said that we record them <laughs> in the future. Um, 
It might be a few weeks before we make a decision <laughs> on the actual podcast. <laughs> there you go, Tim. There's our, we have to post that on the Facebook page that we're doing a jingle competition. There you go. I think we will definitely do that. Okay, so on with this loosely themed music <laughs> podcast that we, we have. <laughs> it's becoming a tip of the day podcast with slight music sprinkled in. <laughs> there, there you go. So this week it's my turn to pick the topic. And I have decided that this week is going to be the music of Miami Vice. I like that choice. So here's a question for you, Joy. Did you ever watch Miami Vice when it was on or have you seen it subsequently? Uh, Seen it subsequently. I've seen episodes of it. I know what it's about. Like I've heard songs on it, things like that. Yeah, so Miami Vice ran from 1984 to 1990. That was when it was originally yes, aired. Remember, I was bored in 90, Tim, so... <laughs> yeah, I, I keep forgetting that. See, like, when I was a kid, Miami Vice was one of those TV shows that was on BBC Two at, like, 10 p.m. on a weekday. And all the cool kids at school claimed that they'd watched it. And then, you know, obviously I was not a cool kid because I wasn't allowed to watch it. But, um, you know, the cool kids, oh, you see Miami Vice, blah, 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 blah. Well, they probably didn't see it, but that's beside the point. But um, <laughs> things about funny. Miami Vice, when they created Miami Vice, what they were looking for, the original brief for Miami Vice is that it was just MTV cops. That was, on a, that was what was on the brainstorming sheet when, okay. they were de- when they were developing Miami Vice. And it really appealed to the MTV generation because... You know, MTV played long form music videos and Miami Vice, unlike other TV shows of that kind of era, like a lot of Mm -hmm. other TV shows of that era would have music, even up to date music in the in the show. But what Miami Vice did, they played the whole song. Yeah, which is really cool. And it usually picked pretty good songs, too. Yeah, so so I have the um, I have all the songs in all the episodes, and I was just going to sort of go through and cherry pick some of the best ones from there. But just some other things about Miami Vice before we get into the um, get into the episode, uh, the songs from the episodes. So famously um, in Miami Vice, um, there was two cars which are very iconic. There was a uh, there was a both um, Ferraris. There was a Ferrari Daytona, which was the black car, and mm-hmm. then the white car was a Ferrari Testarossa or Testarossa, however you want to say it. I would say Testarossa, but potato te- potato. <laughs> yeah, I'd say Testarossa. The, um, the the Ferrari Daytona, the black car, was not really a Ferrari. Mm. It was it was a Corvette with a body kit. And apparently Enzo Ferrari was a fan of Miami Vice. And he didn't like the fact that his brand was being misrepresented in this big TV show. So yeah. he personally sent them to uh, Ferrari Testarossas to use. I can't really blame him. I probably wanted to be the correct thing. If my if my car, whatever I built was on a TV show, I want the proper one to be used. Exactly. Um, so in the episode, of course, you have Don Johnson, who was Sonny Crockett, and they have Philip Michael Thomas, who was Ricardo Tubbs. And of course, you know, Crockett and Tubbs were the, uh, the, the iconic two characters on there. The other cool thing about um, Miami Vice is they had lots of guest stars, like completely random guest stars. Mm-hmm. And I rewatched the whole of Miami Vice about two years ago. And like when, when the episode starts and you look and it says guest starring and you're like, really? So like you, you had like Sheena Easton, Willie Nelson, Gene Simmons, Ted Nugent, 
Glenn, Glenn Fry, uh, Phil Collins is in an episode. Yeah, James Brown is in an episode. Little Richard, Eartha Kitt. G. Gordon Liddy's in an episode. Uh, Wesley Snipes, Chris Rock, Tommy Chung, Penn Jillette from Penn and Teller fame, Bruce Willis, Julia Roberts. I mean, like, the list goes on. Like, all these, like, random people who would appear in these episodes. And in the case of, like, Penn Jillette, he's, like, in the episode all the way through. Yeah. I remember the Phil Collins episode. That's one that stands out to me that I thought it was incredibly random. Yeah, he he's like a game show host. And, of course, he's mixed up in drugs and vice mm-hmm. and... Well, they were trying to defeat the Florida drug ring, Tim. So, I mean. There, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what, what more do we expect? And then, I mean, I still, feel, I still think it's weird that he had a pet alligator named Elvis. Yeah, and he lived on a boat. And, you know, the funny thing is when you rewatch that, it's like top 80s-tastic because, like, these days, if you had an alligator on set, there wouldn't be an alligator on set. Oh, yeah. It'd be a fake, like, it'd be animatronic or they'd have, like, a, they'd do, like, a computer version of it or something. Yeah, or you'd film it in such a way where, like, the alligator's on the boat and then Don Johnson's on the boat and then you'd never see the two of them together or they'd do it in a way so they wouldn't be together. But, <laughs> like, in that, but like, in that, like, Don Johnson is giving the alligator scraps sometimes. It's like, you, there's your talent, there's your number one guy and he's there with the alligator. I mean, the HR he, person's me is like, don't do it. <laughs> why did we bring an alligator on set that was that was the 80s man they were different <laughs> did you have you actually on that subject have you ever seen a 70s tv show called vegas v-e-g-a and the s is a dollar sign no is it's it the a, same well the funny thing about that is there's an episode of that where the main character is driving along in his um pontiac or whatever it is it doesn't matter mm-hmm. but it's a it's a soft top car and he has a lion sitting in the passenger seat and it's a <laughs> <Jesus>. real lion <laughs> oh lord i'd hate to be the animal handler on set that day and be like so i have to do what you said what uh, <laughs> i'm usually uh, here for dogs donkeys <laughs> <laughs> oh cool lion yeah got it <laughs> but, but, but there you go anyhow all right so what we with all those big animal stories we are going to get into the music of the episode so we, we're going to go back to phil collins because one of the most iconic scenes from miami vice mm-hmm. is in the air tonight and he don't i don't think he appears in that episode but there's a scene where they're in they're in miami and they're in the car it's actually the black car the daytona and they're mm-hmm. both driving along and in the air tonight is uh, is playing, and and as I said, they play the whole thing from beginning to end. Well, and that's like what a three, probably three minutes to thirty second long song. That's a long song for a CD show. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's very interesting to me about Phil Collins because we talked about you know not only. It's his music so good. He's like a musical genius of a sense. Um, well, not a sense. He just is. Why does he have to go so hard on every song? Like every song that comes out of that man, it's like he like it's such like a triumph. Like every song just goes so intensely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose. He, I suppose he's give, giving his all. He really does. Like in the air tonight, like a big, you know, the drum break and the intense background. And I imagine it makes for a very I can see the just fixation with them driving off in a car and how it would work and that kind of thing. Especially very Miami Vice new way. You know, they kind of went for that new wave kind of feel. But yeah, everything Phil Collins does, he just goes really hard. 
Are, are you aware of the uh, the story of In the Air Tonight? Um, mm, that's not the one where they thought he saw someone being drowning or something. I heard no. a rumor about that one. Okay, continue. No, it, In the Air Tonight is a is an attack on his ex wife. Oh. So what happened? He was he started to get famous and he went out on tour with Genesis, and he came back. And their, their marriage, I think, had been a little bit rocky. So he comes back off tour, back to their house. The house is completely empty hmm. apart from his studio. Oh. Well, that makes sense now that I can feel it coming in the air tonight. No. Yeah. Interesting. I guess, well, isn't that weird, though? Sometimes you don't pick up on, like, the meetings behind songs until someone tells you, and then you're like, oh, I hear it now. And it's like if I saw you drowning, I wouldn't lend a hand and so all there's that kind a, of stuff. There's some fake rumor that he saw somebody drowning and nobody helped him, but it started, but it's not true. I don't no, know if you've ever heard that. <laughs> I mean, that's just somebody who doesn't know what the song's about. I mean, it's all but just like metaphorical rumor, yeah. d- drowning, etc. Well, Family Guy made a reference to it on one of their episodes. And he was like, she's like, and they're talking and he's like, did you Google that? And he was like, no. She's like, I don't think that's true. She goes, why wouldn't he have stopped to help them? Why would she go back and write a song? And then he goes and Googles. He's like, never mind. It's fake story. And I Googled it. Apparently, a lot of people thought that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said, is that what you're referencing? But no, I never heard about his wife. Yeah, that, that's that's basically what it's about. And I didn't know that until three or four years ago, if I'm being honest. Hmm. That's interesting. I don't know what I thought the song was about, but now that you said that, I can hear it. And that explains also why it's probably so intense and emotional and, you know. Also, did you know that Phil Collins is the world's largest collector of Alamo artifacts? I feel like you may have said that once before, but I have no idea when we were discussing his back injuries. Because <laughs> if you go to the Alamo, in the museum they have there, several things say courtesy of the Philip Collins collection. Hmm. And at the time we, we saw it and we thought, well, maybe it's just another collector called Philip Collins. It's kind of a common name, I guess. Yeah. And then I looked it up and like he like the mayor of wherever the town met or the governor of Texas or something made it made him an honorary Texan. And apparently as he's getting older, he's got like all these Alamo artifacts, which mm-hmm. he's super into. He's donating them back to the Alamo and they're building a separate museum just for the Phil Collins collection. That's such a random thing to be obsessed with, though. But, you know, we don't pick our obsessions. They pick us. There you go. We're not judging you, Phil. We're just making it. We're just just random. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right. What's our next song? Okay, so another song which is iconic in Miami Vice. And this is a scene where I think they're on a particularly shady part of Miami and there's some ladies of the night working and there's (laughs) drug dealers and all this kind of stuff, as is in a lot of these episodes. (laughs) And it's relaxed. Frankie goes to Hollywood. Okay. How many people in the 80s sang that song and had no idea what he was saying in it? Let's just say it for what it is, Tim. (laughs) Well, I know, like... It was very common growing up that the BBC would ban songs. That was a thing that they did. And they say, number one is blah, 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 and we can't play it. And uh-huh. relax, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. They played it for a long time until somebody woke up and went, oh, that's what well, that's he, about. The crazy part about it was I was watching a video and she, she figured out what she was just, she was like, me and my brother were in the backseat of the car singing that as children. 
And the weird part is, is there's no into windows in it. He says it. Exactly. <laughs> like there's no hiding what the song's about. And I, I mean, we were a PG podcast, but just I'm just going to state a fact. <laughs> there is a there is a squirting sound in that song as well. I mean, just saying I'm just making that clear at this point. Oh, Lord, I don't even remember hearing that. I mean, I just remember him saying, I can yeah. hear it in my brain. I don't want to say it because he said, if you've never listened to the song or you don't know what it's actually about, after this episode, go on the YouTubes, <laughs> the YouTubes and type in <laughs> relax and you will, um, with the lyrics, make sure you put the lyrics up on the screen. There's probably a lyric video. And in fact, if there is a lyric video, we'll put it up on the, uh, the Facebook page. <laughs> But I just because it it's kind of like there's a lot of songs we talked about where because it's so upbeat and happy and it's got that new wave kind of like 80s pop thing, you know, talk about they were going for. I'm sure it was played in the, the bars and the pubs and all that stuff. But I, I also know it was a play. He was part of the LGBTQ plus um camp too so that adds another mm-hmm. layer onto it that i wonder back in the 80s and old um bbc people knew. <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah great and song did, though yeah i mean it is an absolutely fantastic song and i've the, the actual not made miami vice but the the actual video for it again i don't think top of the pops played that it's on youtube and i very much doubt if top of the pops played that i mean and what did Frankie goes Frankie goes to Hollywood's a one hit wonder, right? I really don't remember them doing anything else. They they had power they had power of the power of love. They did a cover of that. They also did a, a Bruce Springsteen cover as well. They they, they had an oh two tribes was another song mm-hmm. that they had. I guess it, I just don't really remember anything particular. I do remember they did a power of love cover. You're right about that, but I don't remember like any other mainstream success songs. Yeah, it was Born to Run they covered. And also, hmm. as I said, they also had two tribes. I I think in the, I mean, Welcome to the Pleasure Dome, that album is probably everything you want from Frankie Goes to Hollywood. But I mean, Holly Johnson, he had some other hits after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all I can say is every time I think of that song, it, it's still played on the radio to this day. Like I heard it on the radio not that long ago. I think I've heard it while I'm walking around Kroger. <laughs> 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 like it's just because it's kind of like that pumped up kid. Do you remember the song that came out? Well, you might not. I don't know. You may have heard it in like the early two thousands, late two thousands. Called pumped up kicks. It's literally singing. It's kind of like Jeremy from Pearl Jam. It's talking about school shootings, but it's upbeat. It's happy, and so it made a pop hit. But it's really dark in its meaning. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm wondering. I'm like, I don't know how many people. I'll have to let you hear, listen to it if you've never listened to it. But I'm like, it was all over the radio, and I mean, it has a really dark. It literally says um, all the other kids with their pumped up kicks better run, better run, outrun my gun. And it was a pop hit that was playing everywhere. Hmm. And it was a reference to school shootings, which in America, unfortunately, we're still dealing with. Um, Not going to go there. But (laughs) yeah, it's just funny how something can sound super upbeat and therefore we can just ignore what the song's about. Exactly. It's almost like we're very easy, you know, give them the old razzle dazzle and they'll never be wise. <laughs> well, it's like um, Starships. We built this city that 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 song is so upbeat. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's actually a scathing attack on their record company. Yeah. 
I, re- I watched a thing on our, maybe you told me about it, but I think we've talked about it before, but yeah. And I mean, there's plenty of other songs if we wanted to get back to it that I'm sure we don't actually know what they're about. Exactly. But yeah, anyway, but anyhow. <laughs> that's all I, can think. I just like, I remember watching that video recently. She's like me and my eight year old brother were singing that in the backseat of my mom's car. Uh, <laughs> oh, and I thought eighties music was, you know, all wholesome. <laughs> I thought it was modern day thing. That music was bad. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, on, on to more songs from <laughs> Miami Vice. Now, one other song that's used in a similar sequence in um, Miami Vice is Autographs Turn Up the Radio. And the interesting thing about that song, it's almost the same as Relax. It has the same beat all the way through. <laughs> it does. Actually, now that you said that, that kind of, well, boom, I can't really. Boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's just a fun kind of dance beat in a way. So it was popular at that time. The only thing I ever remember from um, Autographs Turn Up the Radio is his hair in the music video. He had very big hair. Yeah. And also the, the music video is a promo for, I think it's some kind of pencil. I think it's a paper. I think it's a paper mate pencil or something like that, like retractable pencil. And the band's manager, rather than getting an endorsement deal with an instrument manufacturer or I don't know, some kind of Nike or something, he gets a deal with a pencil company. So like in the video, they, they all get out of this limousine and they're signing in and it's all very obvious they're using this pencil. The pencil comes right up to the screen for far too long and then you mm-hmm. can see the brand on it about three times. That's funny. Well, I mean, it's not the first music video that's definitely had brand recognition in it. So, I mean, if you're going to think about autographs, I understand why a pencil. There you go. But, but normally, if you sign things, you do it in marker pen or with a, with a pen. <laughs> so people a can't erase it. But <laughs> maybe he couldn't get a bick on the line for the big pens. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how these things work. <laughs> I'm obviously not producing any music videos. <laughs> That's funny, though. I always love, though, when you watch a music video and the product placement is so in your face. Mm-hmm. It's like, here's this Sony radio that I'm playing this song on and it zooms into yeah. the camera. Zing. And five minutes later, somebody else has got a Sony phone and it's like, Sony phone, then I'm calling this person on. <laughs> you know, that's like um, Katy Perry's Waking Up in Vegas video. Mm-hmm. Now, that video has a Nokia phone, a Nokia smartphone in it. Yep. And it's very prominently placed about four or five times in the video. And it didn't age well because nobody has a Nokia anymore. And it's not, <laughs> I don't even think they're still in business. I think that you can, they sold the brand to somebody who makes generic. Um, like Android Away, hat. I thought, or something like that. Yeah. But um, so another one, Katy Perry, Katy Perry's a great example because she did a lot, she's done a lot of product placement in her videos. Um, the last Friday night, Mm-hmm. In the video, if you're paying attention, they're playing on like, I think it's a Switch or something, not a Switch, um, uh, Nintendo Wii, and they're doing just dance. And like halfway through the party, you see like five or six people, including Katy Perry, playing just dance on repeat. And then like it zooms back and it's got, you know, Rebecca Black, who did the Friday song that everybody made fun of her. Katy was really sweet and brought her into the, uh, you know, the song about Friday night and, you know. <laughs> With Rebecca Black, she was just a young person who got taken advantage of and some producer put a stupid song out. That doesn't mean she's not talented or you should judge her or let her. She's little. She's like 12. I'm assuming you know what I'm talking about. Sure. Yeah. yeah. 
But so anyway, um, but yeah, her and Rebecca Black and a few other people are playing just dance randomly throughout the music video. <laughs> and you just see it, it like shows them on the screen. And I'm like, they've got the little things in their hands. And I'm like, hmm, that's convenient. <laughs> and that I love at the end though of that video, whatever the guy from Glee, uh, what is his name? Whatever. Blaine, he was his Glee character. He's like, who knew your uncle was Kenny G? And then he just runs out the door. <laughs> and then I'm going, how many people are watching this video know who Kenny G is? <laughs> anyway, that took a turn. But yes, product placement and music videos. There we go. <laughs> okay, so another song from Miami Vice. Well, I've, I've got I've got the whole list here. I'm not going to read them all off. It's about 50 <laughs> songs on it, but I'm just, just picking out ones that I thought well, would be That's kind of their thing, though, on the show. Exactly. Another one is Caribbean Queen by Billy Ocean. Well, you told me your Billy Ocean story. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one you saw at Roanoke, right? Well, I saw him in Salem. That's what it was. Well, Roanoke, Salem are right beside each other for everybody listening. But uh, Tim went through the weird Billy Ocean story already <laughs> once. I still think it's funny that on um, Family Guy, they had the, um, they named the whale. His name was Billy and he's from the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like that song, but it always kind of sounds like it should be like a Lionel Richie song to me. Yeah, I don't know who wrote it. I don't know if Billy Ocean wrote it or um, it was written for him. I don't know. The interesting thing about Caribbean Queen is they made regional versions of it. They made an African queen for oh. the African market. And I think some other, I think they made an Oriental queen or something for like the Asian market. I know that he made multiple versions of that song, sang them slightly differently. Did he change the sound? Because the whole point is the Caribbean sound. Yeah, maybe he didn't think it fully through. Because you get what I'm saying, right? Isn't that kind of the way the song is? Like the whole background of it kind of has like a Caribbean feel vibe. At least that's what I always took it as. Of course, yeah. I've never really been to the Caribbean. So I mean, maybe I'm just thinking that. Maybe. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but I Googled it and I gave it a Goog and it looks like Billy Ocean and Keith Diamond wrote Caribbean. Caribou, Caribou, yes, Caribou, Caribbean <laughs> Queen. <laughs> That's also another remake he did <laughs> for the Midwest. It was called Caribou Queen. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he's so prolific, Billy Ocean. I mean, he's you, he, once he gets going, you can't stop him. He, I mean, he, he resings three lines and boom, there's a new version. I know he's so prolific. I can't even get him out of my dreams and into my car. No one. Oh, no one. oh look at you. I'll be here all week. <laughs> somebody out there's going oh god this is terrible (laughs) but no like caribou queen (laughs) i write a song for the um freak jam secret um songwriter i'll I'll put in a caribou queen reference (laughs) that's the extent of what i could write Are you familiar with um, Going Gets Tough by Billy Ocean as well? The Going Gets? Yes, yes, yes. Now I've got so, it, so it has Michael Douglas on backing vocals. I don't know if you yeah. knew that. Oh, but weird. <laughs> at the end of it, when it says, go and get stuffed, it's go and get... It sounds like go and get stuffed. If you listen to it back, he is singing go and get stuffed. See, I wonder how many people, because, you know, I have the Caribbean stuck in my head. So I hear the lyrics to that, but it's to the rhythm of Caribbean in my head. But what I was going to say is I always sometimes 
So he goes, the going gets tough. Sometimes it sounds like he's saying the going gets rough too. Yeah, he says going gets tough, going gets rough. rough. But but there's a bit where they're like singing and he says going gets stuffed. So that's a funny one. So I have to tell you this story. So as a kid, um, Holland Oates, rich girl. Mm-hmm. I swore to my mother that there was parts in that he wasn't saying rich girl. Mob, you're listening to this episode, so I'm going to bust your bubble. There were parts of that song he wasn't saying rich girl. And I remember my mom got mad at me. He goes, no, he's just saying rich girl over and over again. I'm like, no, he's saying it's a girl. <laughs> and she was like, no, it's just rich girl. Like trying to convince me otherwise. As an adult, I realized Paul mm-hmm. was not saying rich girl all the way through that song. Call the nose. What are they playing at? <laughs> they thought they could get one over on me. <laughs> but nine-year-old Joy was convinced that wasn't what they were saying. <laughs> ha I've succeeded, mother. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I can confirm. That's one that I, um, yeah. I wonder how many people out there think that, though. Because my mom was dead set. She really did think he was saying rich girl through the whole song. I, I don't know. Maybe, mean, maybe maybe we need to do a, a Hall and Oates episode at some point and take a deep dive into the lyrics and the lyrical meanings of their songs. I feel like I get too distracted by my thoughts on Daryl Hall, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Save that for another episode. All right, what's the next song, Tim? Okay, another song, it's more of a ballad, is Peter Gabriel's Don't Give Up. It is more of a ballad. And it's with Kate Bush, of course. Which is one of your favorites. Yeah, what was, right. what was it? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I mean, I liked some of the music of Kate Bush. How is it used in Miami Vice, though? Do you know? I think there's a scene and it's very emotional. And I think mm. it's Sonny Crockett's ex-wife and the kid. And he's driving away and thinking <laughs> of something. Or They're always in the car driving. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a, or maybe it's the one he he's married to Sheena Easton for like five episodes. Oh, yeah. And I think because she she gets shot on stage and then she dies. And I don't know if it's used in that, but there's a very emotional scene and don't give up is playing. Well, I mean, it makes sense. It's a good song. I, I mean, I don't know that it's one of my favorites from Peter Gabriel. He's got a pretty big collection, but I know what song it is. And I understand why we used. It's not like my top songs from him. No, and one other one other song that's used in Miami Vice is Sledgehammer. Which is a fantastic, which is probably what. Oh, my God. So I'm going to give Tim Pop a, reference, a modern day reference. There's this show on Hulu right now. It's called Only Murderers in the Room. And so Selena Gomez is on it and Sting is on it. Selena Gomez is the, a modern day, more modern day actor, singer. You've probably seen her before. Mm-hmm. And then it's got Steve Carell and Steve Martin on it. And they're like, old oh, guys. But at one point they're talking about um, Sting is on a few episodes. He lives in the building with them. OK. <laughs> what was it? They were talking about. Um, they were like, yeah, they tried to insinuate because Selena Gomez was closer to my age that she didn't know who Sting was, the police. And they're like, da, 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 you know, and it's a love song and blah, blah, blah. You know, they're trying to explain to her stuff. And she goes, he's the one who sings Sledgehammer, isn't it? And they were like, no, that's da, 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 da. And she's like, I know. And that song's about a stalker. It's not a love song. <laughs> when she goes back to Prince, but she was just making a joke to mess with them. But they fell for it. <laughs> I died laughing at that scene because it was so funny. 
and at one point sting he thinks sting is the murderer by the way if you've ever watched the episode this is spoiler alert, or you're watching the show it's closures he's not the murderer <laughs> no. <laughs> how, how could he be the murderer he used to be a school teacher he couldn't murder anyone no, he seems like Sting seems like one of those very hands off type people. I imagine he's a gentle soul. I, I, I don't know. I, you don't I, think he, that? I do. He strikes me as someone who's just very stingy. Well, his name is Sting. Well, actually, his name's Gordon Sumner, to be well, perfectly honest. Well, I mean, honest, his but... stage name is Sting. So... Uh, do you know? Do you know why he's called Sting? No. When he was a school teacher. He used to have a sweater which had yellow and black stripes on it, and the and the, the kids in the class called him Sting. Oh, because he was like a little bumblebee. Yeah, very fly to the bee. And obviously, the song I was talking about earlier, the stalker song, is Sting of the Police. I realized that it was just a joke, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it was just really funny because she was like, I died laughing, but she was like, Oh yeah, he's the one from Sledgehammer, and they're all like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, not related at all by Amy Vice, but that show is actually really funny if anybody's thinking about watching it. Spl- <laughs> Splendid. Tim Wolf, because it's from after 1994, maybe. What's your cutoff? Well, I- I've seen I've seen some new shows. I've seen Flight of the Concords. I mean, that's only almost 20 years old at this point. <laughs> That's the most random thing, too. Oh, another reference when they're in the ele- he's sitting in the elevator with Sting, and Sting says something about, Could you move away or something? He goes, Oh, yeah, I won't stand so close to Sting. You don't want me to stand so close to you. And Sting's staring at him like, Stop. Because <laughs> it's Steve Martin. <laughs> anyway, I'll be here all week, everybody. <laughs> Not that it wasn't even my joke, but it was pretty funny. <laughs> Anyhow, let's move on to another song that was from Miami Vice on this loosely themed episode that we have uh, tonight. <laughs> this is so, not an I'm... ad for only murderers in the room, just FYI. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Tim. <laughs> so another song that, that features in uh, Miami Vice is Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Cindy Lauper. Which is a remake. Yes, absolutely. And the very first, the original is Creepy don't like it sounds better from Cindy Lauper exactly Cindy does Cindy does a far better job of it and she did a um like a remix version of it some years after the fact did you know Cindy Lauper is one of those people that I feel like she doesn't get the credit she deserves as a musician she wrote all the music for a whole Broadway play did you know that I didn't know that, but it doesn't surprise me. I think it's Kinky Boots. Maybe that was the one. But she she has like she's she's very musically talented. And I don't I feel like she's kind of viewed as like just like a pop artist, maybe like kind of eccentric for the way she dresses and having a bolstered. You know what I mean? Like, but I really don't feel like she's one of the, I feel like she's one of those people. I think you're undervalued as an artist. And I was watching the Kennedy Center honors because I like to watch them occasionally. Mm-hmm. I'm a weirdo who goes on the Internet and watches the same Kennedy Center honors a billion times. But and the one for Cher. So Sydney Lauper and Cher are friends. Did you know yeah, that? I, I didn't know that, but it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. So they're really good friends. So on the Kenny Cindy, Kenny Center, Kennedy Center <laughs> honors for Cher, Cindy Lauper sings multiple times. She does a um, what song was it? Uh, what's the one where she uses the first song to use auto to believe? Yeah, so yeah. I think she does believe. 
And it was actually, and that's not an easy song to sing. It isn't. Cindy Lauper, it was gorgeous. She did such a good job. And it turns out on stage, she sings that with Cher occasionally in concert. She comes out and sings it. Wow. The I other, learned it. There you go. And the other thing about Cindy Lauper is that she was not completely responsible, but she was one of the pivotal figures at the beginning of WWF wrestling. Did you know that, that she helped WWF wrestling become mainstream? No. <laughs> she was That's friends. So random. <laughs> she was friends with Captain Lou Albano, who was a wrestler uh, manager type character in WWF wrestling. And she had Captain Lou Albano in a few of her pop videos, which at the time, you know, MTV and they were showing her videos on rotation and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think she appears in WrestleMania two or WrestleMania three, brings someone to the ring or something like that. And she was one of those people who sort of brought the whole of that wrestling thing into the mainstream. That's so weird to me. I don't know. Well, I do know I like her part in We Are the World. That's she, yeah. has, a, she has that one line that's really cool because she has such a distinct voice. You know, it's her. And if you watch the video, she's right between who is she between? I don't know. She's between two other artists. But if you watch the video, she like physically moves up when she hits the note. Like she moves her body up and like that's like a little like bobble. And you can hear it when she's singing. And it's super cool. Do you know one thing I found out today? So, like, we had um, Do They Know It's Christmas Band-Aid. The U.S. had um, We Are the World. There was a Canadian one as well for Hmm. Africa Famine Relief. And I didn't, I just saw a reference to it. I haven't seen who's in it, but it was all Canadian artists. Well, Canada has some good artists. I mean, Celine Dion, Shania Twain. Um, Brian Adams. I was thinking Justin Bieber, but I don't want to put him in this category. <laughs> Not that I don't like him. I just don't associate him with, with like Celine Dion. <laughs> he and, just and, of course, and of course, astronaut William Shatner. There we go. I mean, I'm sure if we spit some time, we could come up with some more. But those are just the first ones that come to mind. And Ian Blackwood, of course. Oh, he, yeah. he, he, uh, my understanding of, of Canadian music artists, he is the <laughs> premier <laughs> Canadian music artist. So I understand. One that, I've one heard that, that. Yeah, you know, pick the, all of the Canadian artists look up to Ian Blackwood as some kind of like, you know, figure. Well, I heard there's a lot of people looking at him. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I know two people. I know one person in particular, but you know, that's a story for another time. <laughs> we'll bring that up when we do the Ian Blackwood episode. <laughs> oh, if, we, if we if we do an Ian Blackwood episode, I think we're going to have someone on as a special guest. I think I feel like we have to just as a, <laughs> as a third party. So, in case anybody is wondering what the heck we're talking about, one of our listeners, friends, people we talk to fairly often, is obsessed with Ian Blackwood, and she may think he's a looker. So that's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> in case there's somebody out there super confused going what are they talking about <laughs> he's a handsome chap i mean what else yeah. can you say go give him a goog there you go anyhow back on the back on the realm of miami vice songs so one another song that's in miami vice hit me with your best shot pat benatar glee one time did an episode <laughs> 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 where they sang hit me with their best shot they were playing dodgeball <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I don't know why but when you said that that's, i'm on the tv show around tonight that's what i probably because miami vice is a tv show but that's what i thought of which i mean iconic song i've sang it in karaoke plenty of times i feel like it's kind of a karaoke staple that's true i mean for many people the definitive version of hit me with your best shot 
is the version I recorded with Jenny about a year ago that's available on YouTube. I can see how Jenny's voice would work so good with that too. Yeah, and I, I may feel compelled to um, post it up in the Facebook group. I don't know. Shout out to you, Jenny, if you listen. Your voice is gorgeous, and I feel like that would work so perfectly. It's a fun one to sing too, or perform in general. I mean, even to do musician, to be a musician on, it's got such a cool sound to it. Plus, Pat Benatar is like, I feel like she was one of the prolific female artists. Um, in different genres because she's kind of more of a rocky kind of yes it's a pop song but she has more of a rocky tone to her voice i would say so it kind of like i feel like she was a prolific artist to getting women in different genres exactly well another song uh, in fact there's there's a couple of songs by this artist and i think we've covered this on another episode but pointer sisters i'm so excited and jump for my love are both in miami vice that's one of those are the ones that I say I feel a bit used to like 37 shows. I feel like I say that every episode, but it's true. Um, I mean, we've covered it. The Pointer Sisters are like a godsend to me. It's it's just it's just good, well-written pop music. And their voices are so good. Like the tone to their voices, there's no, their ability to hit some of those notes are like out of this world. Like just everything about it. It's perfect. And I see how it would be perfect for Miami Vice. Exactly. And another song, actually, that I've just seen on the list, which is uh, with not Pointer Sisters, but is Missing You by John Waite. I don't know that I know that song. You, you never heard that song? How does it go? I'm missing you at all. I'm oh, missing yeah. You. No, I've heard it. I just didn't know it by name. Yeah, yeah. Is he like, does he have other music? That name doesn't sound familiar to me at all. I don't know. I think I think he's maybe known as the missing you guy. Okay, know, that might be why I didn't recognize it when you first said it. You know when Conan O'Brien had the Tonight Show for about 15 minutes? Yeah. And then he got kicked off NBC and then he went to TBS. All the promos for TBS had missing you as they said, coming soon, next month, Conan. And they played the missing you song. Oh, I mean, I think it's one of those things that I've just heard on the radio. It's kind of a radio hit. Mm -hmm. But yeah, now it's in my head. Thank you. For that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've, I would have ever known what that guy's. I don't even know if I know what he looks like. Hmm. No, I'm going to have to I, go look it up after the show. No, I, I, I if, if he walked in the room now, I'd be like, are you, are you, are you him? I, I honestly don't know. Why are you in my house? Did you steal my trash can? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe, ah, maybe that's right. John Waite of Missing You fame. But he was he was missing a recycling bin. So he came down the road and he nabbed my recycling bin. There we are, ladies and gentlemen. Finally, we it's found out what it. happened to it. I'm officially a detective. Did anyone come back for the recycling bin you stole, essentially? Because you're like, this is probably mine, probably not mine. Maybe they took mine. Did anyone claim it or anything, or are you still using it? Well, I'd like to go on record and say I didn't steal the recycling <laughs> bin. Okay. I'd like to go on record and say I moved it from one location <laughs> to another. It's not like I locked it up. It's at the side of the house <laughs> with my neighbors' recycling bin. He's got a bin. bicycle lock wrapped around his recycling <laughs> bin from now on. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to fix, fix it. I'm going to fill it full of cardboard from Amazon deliveries. And then when it's completely full, like I normally do, I'll wheel it to the end of the road. They collect our recycling every two weeks. And I will take it on the recycling day and I will put it at the end of the road and I will let the, the town 
empty it. And you know what? I'm not going to collect it on the day. No. Mm. I will go the next day and pull it back. And if it's still there, it's mine. That's a fair assessment. That poor recycling bin, it's going through like a whole, Tim's got like a whole project set out for it. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a spreadsheet. (laughs) It's it's, it's a whole thing. There's a diagram on the little spreadsheet leading out to the road exactly where Tim's going to drop it. (laughs) Y'all laugh, but Tim has a lot of Excel spreadsheets. He does. I I have a lunch Excel spreadsheet. I think we we may have covered this, but I I have an average expenditure and all the places locally I can go to and how many times I've visited them. But then don't you have a spreadsheet of how many times people said you're Australian and things of that nature too? I did that for a year. For one year, I put down like, (laughs) I like your accent. Well, where are you from? Do you go back often? Are you Australian? (laughs) Things that people ask me continually. I did it for a year and then I pulled from stats. And after, after a year, I got fed up of doing it but i did it for one year and i still have it what was the weirdest like what's the weirdest thing you've heard besides like australian scottish british whatever mostly australia people want to know if i'm australian but that's that's not looking at my stats that wasn't many well to be fair tim i actually from an american like from someone who was has not spent any like a lot of time in England like you have like i've been there but i didn't spend any crazy amounts of time i was there for like three days Australian and and English accents aren't that far, like for our ears, American ears. I would actually say I think Australians closer to the way I hear English people speaking than like Scottish or Irish. For some, there's something very similar in the accents. Australian accents got more of a twang to it, but the thing is, like growing up in England, certainly growing up in London, you meet a lot of Australians because I think my. I could be wrong with this, but I yeah. think if you're under the age of 30, because they're both in the Commonwealth, it's easy for Australians to come to England and England mm. to go to Australia and then work for a certain period of time. You can get like a two year visa or something like that. And it's gotcha. It's it's easier to do than it is normally. So you, you meet a lot of Australians in your day to day. And likewise, folks from South Africa as well. You, you meet quite a lot of people from South Africa. But I think that's just because London and certainly West London is very diverse. So you meet a lot of people from different cultures mm. and different accents and things like that. But, yeah. to, my, but to my ear, it's very, it, I can, you know, you can tell straight away that someone's an Australian. But I can see that if you're not hearing that stuff every day and you didn't hear it growing up, mm-hmm. at least it would be easy to make that mistake. Well, it's kind of like for me, when people hear me talk and um, people make comments about, you know, I do have kind of a Southern accent. It's not distinct, but I'm sure Tim, you've heard it before when I'm speaking. I do have one because I grew up in the South. Like I've had people, you know, ask me, you know, are you from like Texas or something? To me, like a Texas accent is completely different than someone from Southwest Virginia. But if you're not hearing it every day, I could see how you can make that crossover. But anyway, moral stories, I do see how people could get Australian if they weren't 100% sure. Sure. And, and you know what? Before I lived here, I probably couldn't tell the difference between someone from Texas, someone from, you know, deep from the South, you know, Yankee accent, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. I, I from someone from, you know, Joyzy and all that kind of business. I probably couldn't have distinguished that. But now I'm here it's I, you can tell straight off. Well, and the other thing is, like, my husband's from California. Charlie has a very almost I hate to say it's almost very light, kind of almost feminine sounding voice. That's not to insult him. It's just that California sound um, mm-hmm. out west. I would have until I was around him. I never would have 
known that off the top of my head what that sounds like now that i'm here and i make fun of him hits we make fun of the way i pronounce things but i also make fun of the way he pronounces <laughs> things it drives me insane because instead of saying italian he says italian mm-hmm. who says italian it's italian I don't, but he Mer. does too. <laughs> <laughs> anyway all right back to miami vice <laughs> anyway back to miami vice so another great song from miami vice rockwell somebody's watching me he felt like somebody was watching him. Are you familiar with that song? Yeah. And you know, the cool thing is it has Michael Jackson on backing vocals. I feel like I knew that. I don't know why, but I feel like I knew that. How was it used in the Miami Vice episode? Do you know? I, I have no idea, but it was used in an episode because the list I pulled off the internet claimed it was. Well, I mean, he was just an average man with an average life. That, that's true. And did you know Rockwell was Barry Gordy's grandson? No, I didn't know that. And that seems like something I would know because, you know, I'm up on that Barry Gordy stuff. Yeah, that's how he got the that's how he got the the um, the, the gig, as it were, to release that single. And that's how he got Michael Jackson to sing back in vocals. Oh, his real name was Kennedy Gordy, wasn't it? I believe so. Yeah. I never made the connection. <laughs> <laughs> Not that Gordy's like a super popular last name or anything, but I just never made the connection. So was it I wonder what record what record company it was produced on then it was probably on i would assume motown i mean i that's what i'm wondering i wondered if it was on motown isn't it kind of weird how like um that song though has become almost like a halloween theme song too like i feel like like if you go into spirit halloween it's a toss-up between if you're gonna hear, hear like i always feel like somebody's watching me or uh thriller you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i feel like it's become associated with like horror type stuff in halloween hey i actually i have a question for you you can answer <laughs> this for me and i was thinking about this the other day so here in the united states we have a company called spirit halloween and what they do is they take over shops that have closed up and then they reopen them for like two months and it sells Halloween stuff. Yeah. How does that company remain profitable for the other nine months of the year? Aren't they owned by like Spencer's a hot topic? Their their spirit Halloween is owned by somebody else that's also a store. Oh, what is I want to say it's Hot Topic or Spencer's. And so what they do is Hot Topic or Spencer's because see, it was only a thing like it did. Like when I was a kid, there was no spirit Halloween. It only became a thing maybe early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Charlie was talking about it the other day. They're owned by Spencer's or Hot Topic, which if you guys don't know what those are, those are like stores you find in the mall that are almost like head shops. Like you buy like shot glasses and memorabilia from bands and T-shirts and stuff playing in pop culture. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and they're pretty predominant, but it's owned by a company who owns other stores. So that's how they're able to do it. Oh, okay. And I suppose a lot of the stock that they sell in that Halloween stuff, they probably sell them in those other stores throughout the year. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly um, what it is. Let's see. Um, based on Spencer Gifts. It's Spencer. Uh, I there we it. go. Ah, Spencer. So that's how. Yeah, but, I, yeah. Just want, I just want to, because we got one in town. It used to be a Pier 1 Imports. And then it, then it sits empty the whole year and all of a sudden spirit Halloween appears for three months and then it just disappears off. It's, you know what it's like? It's like the muck rib. Where does the muck rib go? You know, it says the muck rib <laughs> is back, ladies and gentlemen, it's back. I mean, where did it go? Did it, did it go to, to the Bahamas or something? Did it go for on a great trip? Did it go to space? I mean, <laughs> and the crazy part about it is Spencer's gets or Spencer's. I mean, Halloween's have you go into the spirit 
um, store or whatever, it gets more and more expensive every year, like because it's becoming more and more popular. Here's a funny story about that. So when it first started, do you know that what that old what used to be the old mall behind um, where they're putting in all the new stuff by Taco Bell and all that stuff that complex there? Yeah, it used to it it used to be the old Walmart long before we lived here, but it used to be a Walmart. And apparently, the guy who owned that old plot kept it as some kind of tax thing. So he didn't develop it because it was it, by keeping it, it was very tax efficient for him. So that's why it was never developed. And I think he either died or sold it off, or some, something it. like that. And now it's being developed into this whole shopping, retail, food type area. So. One point Spirit Halloween went in there. I don't know if you remember that or not, but there was a Spirit Halloween in there a few years back before it went to the Pier 1 imports. And mm-hmm. back in the day, because it only started, like I'd say, I don't know, 2008, 2009 is when this whole Spirit Halloween happened. Because it wasn't a thing when I was a kid. And it used to be, you can tell it's becoming more and more famous, though, because whenever I used, when it was in that shopping plaza, you would go in and it would be like thriller, but it'd be like we talk about those bands where it's like the third party company singing thriller. Mm hmm. And this year when I went in, it was actual music for oh. the actual <laughs> artists. So they're making more money and they could actually afford real music. Like it was actually Michael Jackson singing Thriller this time. <laughs> like it's like this is like it, that's what I'm saying. It, it, all the stuff in it gets more and more expensive every year. But it's for people who don't know what we're talking about. It's like very manufactured generic costumes. Sure, and and you know other bits and pieces, Halloween, Halloween bits and decorations, pieces. things like that. I, exactly that 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 kind of stuff. But yeah, it just I just that's the music fact about it. Is it used to be they couldn't afford to play the real versions of the songs, but now it's become such a thing that they're playing the real versions. There we go. The spirit Halloween is going from strength to strength. I really have. I always feel like somebody's watching me stuck in my head too now. <laughs> You should see the video for it as well, because it's... I have. <laughs> it's great. I have. That's why when you said that, I was like, I can't believe I didn't know that that was Barry Gordy's. You said it was his son? Uh, I think it's Barry Gordy's grandson, I believe. Mm. That would make more sense. I wonder why he went with Rockwell. I wonder where Rockwell comes from. I think it's a cool name. It is. And I only recently, like, I don't feel like I knew for a long time that was his name. Anyway, what's the next song on the list, Tim? Okay, I'm gonna. I got two more before we close out this episode. Okay. Um, one that I like to go with is "Foreigner." I want to know what love is. Another one that'll be stuck in my head. That could have been on our. I feel like that could be on our overplayed episode. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not too bored of that. If I yeah, mm-hmm. it's overplayed, but I'm not too bored of that. And "Foreigner" actually played at the Elmwood Park Amphitheater in Roanoke year or two ago and they had like a choir i believe it was like a local choir from a school or something like that and they um when they played that song they brought the choir on stage with them to sing the backup part didn't choirs audition for that or something wasn't there like an audition yeah, I think so, because I remember being in downtown Christiansburg and they had like a they had they were actually performing that down there because they said they'd won the competition. Or, yeah, whoever it was. I remember that being a thing. That's actually a really cool concept and a nice way to get as someone who is a choir kid. I'm even in a choir now. If you guys didn't know what I sing with the local choir, um, I think that's a cool way to like motivate them with music. Exactly. Also, though, that song could work really well with like 
because it's such a big, almost grandiose song. I say you could add a choir to that and it would sound really cool. Yeah, I mean, it has like a gospel choir on the actual mm-hmm. actual record, recording. Oh, yeah, you're right. Makes sense now. And I mean, I would say, though, if I had to pick, I think Jukebox Hero. That's them, yeah. right? That's that, probably that, my favorite. That is a that is a great song. Have you are you familiar with Aquatine Hunger Force? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't know whether Aquatine Hunger Force is a cartoon that's actually crossed the Atlantic. Maybe it has now, and folks in the UK know what Aquatine Hunger Force is. But it's a it's a cartoon about fast food items. It's a, that live in a house in New <laughs> Trying Jersey. Trying to solve mysteries. Yeah, and hilarity in shoes. And there's Master Shake and Meat Wad and Frylock. And it's one of those things where there's zero consistency because normally somebody <laughs> dies or the house blows up or something gets destroyed. Yeah, something like that. And then the next episode, it just starts completely from fresh the again. Like, like it, what's the neighbor's name with the lawnmower? Carl. <laughs> Carl. Something happens to Carl like every episode. <laughs> exactly. And they're sometimes obsessed with chicken foot. And it's, 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 it's a thing. But there's an episode where the Moonanites come down from, from the moon <laughs> who are video game characters. <laughs> Of course. And <laughs> all logical things here. <laughs> and they were they're at some kind of like amusement arcade and Meatwad wins the foreigner belt and it gives you all the powers of seventies rock super group <laughs> foreigner. <laughs> And like when you have episode. the belt on you could say, Yes, I'm as cold as ice and it turns someone into a block of ice. And then, and then I think they're sitting in a, they they're sitting in their neighbor's swimming pool, and he said, "And you are hot blooded. Check it and see." And then like, the water starts boiling, and then, and then Carl steals the belt. He puts it on and starts meddling about with it, and his head turns into like this. You know, you connect four. Yeah, remember connect four with the little things you drop in. And he goes, "Okay, who put this thing on head games?" <laughs> So when you said that about cold as ice, uh, well, then you said hot blooded. So I won't go into detail, but there's a video that has not been used, but it was going to use for a video. It was going to be a backing for a video we were doing at work, but we had to post production because of COVID kind of hit. Remember, Tim knows what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. But I'm the one you hear singing the most and Tim's play the guitar. And then my boss, who is also a lovely singer, we talk about her, you hear her. But Tim was like, got a fever. And Tim's like, maybe I shouldn't say that part right now. This is right (laughs) when COVID hit. We had to stop production on the video. But Tim's like, maybe we shouldn't talk about having a fever much. Yeah, at that, at that time, it, it, it was, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't such a good though. idea. <laughs> we had to nix the video, let's just say that. It, it's, it's, it's still sitting there out out there somewhere. It's One actually, day. I actually came across it. I know where it's at. Ah. Uh. Well, it exists. <laughs> one, of, one of these days we will finish that video and it will be glorious. <laughs> but we will uh, wait till after. I'll, hopefully we all get well i will say we have a very good vaccination rate at our work and i think we're on our way get vaccinated there, there you go there we are so okay so <laughs> i'm going to close this episode out with one last song okay and i'm going to reference uh, the person who sings this song so it's james brown and it's i got you i feel good now okay. it's not so much the song for this james brown is in an episode of miami vice now you think You've got the legendary artist, James Brown, in your TV show. And in fact, he's in this TV in Miami Vice all the way through. He's a central character. He's a plot point to the whole episode. And lots of Miami Vice episodes are really good. I mean, like Hannah tolerates my 80s TV viewing, 
But, you know, she's watched some of these with me and thought, yeah, this is actually a really good episode. Yeah. The one with James Brown is probably the worst episode of all five seasons. <laughs> you mentioned it once before, but you didn't go into detail, but it was absolutely terrible. So they did him a disjustice is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, like if you have legendary singer James Brown, I mean, why do you give him that episode? It's terrible. And they give a plot point throughout, like put him in it for 30 seconds. If you're not going to give him something worth doing. Yeah. I, 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 d- I don't know. It's like, it's like sort it out producers from the 80s. Well, as a big Blues Brothers fan, that's what I, I always think of that opening scene in the original Blues Brothers movie where he's playing in the church. Sure. It's a great scene. That's a great way to put James Brown in something and make it cool. And I do know that from, from the Freak Jam community, Lee Aaron and his dad, Barry, they saw James Brown at the House of Blues. I think it was probably Orlando... Oh, though, that's I'm cool. not, though I couldn't it was it was a house of blues. Yeah. And James Brown at the end of the end of his set took off his bow tie and threw it to the crowd and Lee caught it. And I think he still has it. Oh, yeah, I would definitely keep that forever. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no. Well, and that's one I guess that's probably why I like the Blues Brothers so much is they did a great job of weaving acts because, you know, Ray Charles is in it. Aretha Franklin's in mm-hmm. it. And it's about music in general. And so, yeah. And I know that the, the music's not original. Sammy, Sam Cooke and all that stuff. We could go on about it or Sam Davis or whatever his name was. But, um, yeah, that's if, if they were going to put him in there, it's sad they didn't use him well like they did in Blues Brothers, I guess is my point. Exactly. Well, 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 there we go. Well, we will uh, we will leave you there disappointed in Miami <laughs> Vice. But equally, I hope you enjoyed this dive into the music of Miami Vice and languages and <laughs> dialects and everything else that was part of it. Spirit Halloween and who knows what else? <laughs> Pringles and <laughs> how to eat a Pringle properly. There's the method. There you go. <laughs> All right, bye. See you later. Bye bye. 